Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Bless the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's deep compassion. The dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide us on the path of peace. The child grew up becoming strong in character. He was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? God of peace and God of love, we give thanks for your spirit that saturates our world and saturates our lives. And we pray that through the presence of your spirit, we may hear your word for us today. Amen. A few years ago, I, I wrote an Advent devotional all about John the Baptist. It began, John had one job, and this job shaped his life. Prophecy foretold that he would prepare the way for the Lord. Now, prophecy didn't mention eating bugs or how to prevent a camel skin loincloth from chafing, but God gave John a job. And John said yes to everything that job entailed. John had one job, and he was good at it. And, and this one job is why John the Baptist gets so much attention during Advent. You know, because Advent is a season preparing for the arrival of Christ. And John's one job was to prepare the people for the arrival of Christ. But today's text, which is kind of about John, it's, well, it's actually more about John's parents and a prophecy about John's life. A prophecy that I, you know, spent the last week studying and after which was left wondering if John only had one job after all. This prophecy that uh, uh, we heard is, it, it comes immediately after John is born. If you remember, John 
John's parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, were unable to conceive a child. And, and then while Zechariah is in the temple, an angel appears to him to say that you're going to have a baby and it'll be born, named John. But Zechariah says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. So the angel takes away Zechariah's ability to speak. So now we are nine months later. The baby is born. It's named John. And all of a sudden, Zechariah can speak and he starts prophesying. And this is a really big deal because it says actually twice that all of the country or all of the land were talking about this. So they're, they're freaked out. Something's going on. They know God is about to do something. And finally, Zechariah tells the people what is coming. He says a Messiah will come from the house of David. But what's interesting is when, when Zechariah starts this prophecy, He's not talking about John because John's not from the house of David. The, the first half of Zechariah's prophecy is actually about Jesus. The, it's about the Messiah who he says will give mercy and rescue the peace from the people from their enemies. So that's the first half. And then in verse 76, Zechariah switches focus and starts describing John. It feels like he turns to his son and says, You, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So, so finally, we, we learn John's one job, to prepare the people for the Messiah. But then Zechariah continues and says, You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of sins. And, and I don't know if this counts as a job, but it sure stood out to me that John is not only preparing the way for the Messiah, John is also telling people how to be saved. And, and that, that stands out. I found that odd the first time I read it because Offering salvation isn't John's job, that's Jesus' job. And, you know, most Christian theology believes that salvation comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and those are events that take place after John is assassinated. And, and it's, it's not like, like John knows what's going to happen to Jesus. The prophecy doesn't say, you know, you will tell the people how to be saved by the forgiveness of sins. Oh, and by the way, what I mean by that is that John will tell the people about a Messiah who will be killed and resurrected, and after that, then the people will be able to know how to be saved for the forgiveness of sins. Now, it, despite preparing the way for Jesus, John doesn't know what lies in store for Jesus. I mean, right before John is killed, he sends his messengers to ask Jesus, are you actually the Messiah? So when it says that John will tell people how to be saved through the forgiveness of sins, I, I think it means that John is telling the people how to be saved. And that's where it gets tricky, because if John is offering salvation through the forgiveness of sins, what does that say about Jesus? Does Jesus need to die on a cross 
so we can be saved if John was already offering salvation? It's, it's, a, it, it's a tangled mess. And, and the only reason I'm asking these questions, actually, is to point out a difference between how many of us Christians think about salvation and how I see salvation being described in the text. Many, many Christian traditions emphasize that there is a particular moment when we are saved or when we were saved. There's this distinct before and after. And, and if that's true, we kind of have to choose the moment when people could be saved. Was, was it available through John or did we have to wait till Jesus? But I, I think that is kind of a, a modern understanding of salvation that we bring to the text. When, when, when Zacharias says John will tell the people how to be saved, he, he continues and sort of describes what that actually looks like. Zacharias says, God's mercy will break into our lives and give light to those in darkness. The light will be a sunrise, like a sunrise that lights our path so we can walk in the way of peace. Zechariah here isn't describing a, a single moment after which everything is suddenly different. It, the metaphor isn't a floodlight that turns night into day. The, the metaphor is a journey that is illuminated by the, the slow and gradual break of dawn. It, it is, here it, it seems that salvation through the forgiveness of sins is a journey we take, not a moment that happens to us, but, but a journey where God accompanies us along the way. It's a journey that, that starts in brokenness and darkness but one where we have just this, this hint of light on the horizon. So, of, of course, we need faith to start walking, knowing that God will be there to guide our feet. And, and actually does say, the more literal translation is that it, there's enough light for our feet to walk. And, and we don't seem to be able to see the landscape far ahead. We, we just have enough light to see each day. And, and that actually, that reminds me of how God saved the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. They, they set out on this journey where a pillar of light guides them by night and, and a cloud surrounds them by day and they have just enough light to continue each day. And, and I guess that, to me, feels like a pretty apt metaphor for the path, for a path of peace that we journey down, confessing our brokenness, naming our need to be made, made whole, that, that path that is marked by asking forgiveness, offering forgiveness, and relying on God to restore us. Like that, that sounds like a, a path to salvation that we wait for in, in Advent. And, and honestly, I have no idea where along the path any moment of salvation occurs. Like, 
And, and looking back to this text, you know, is it is salvation from offered by John or Jesus, or is it both? I mean, I, I probably think that it can't be isolated to a singular moment, but, but I don't know, and I don't think anyone else does either. And, and in that sense, the, the very question of if and, and when John could, could technically offer salvation, it's, it's a kind of a pointless question. But I'm, I'm pushing on this pointless point because because what we believe about when and how and how salvation came to Israel, like that, that may reveal how we hope salvation will come to us. Like, are we waiting for a moment to happen or a journey to begin? You know, because that's this is this is the theme. Advent is Advent invites us into a spirituality of hoping and waiting and expecting. But, but what exactly are we waiting for? I mean, we're waiting for the arrival of Christ, but Christ has come, so we're waiting for Christ's arrival in our lives. And, and in many ways, I think it's the same thing that Israel was waiting for all those years ago. Like the, that arrival of Christ in our lives. And just like back then, that isn't all about our eternal salvation, but our daily lives. If we glance again at what Zechariah begins with, he, when he prophesies about the coming Christ, he, he says the Messiah will rescue them from the evil around them so they can be holy and righteous for all of their days, as long as they live. They needed hope to find peace and justice in the present tense, which is a lot like what we're searching for, what we are waiting for in Advent. Like last week, Sean preached about how Advent calls us to, to foster and cultivate hope that will continue to bring, that God will continue to bring order in the midst of the chaos. And that was our, our theme last week, hope, and this week is peace, looking forward to peace, and, and Lord knows we need that. I mean, another school shooting, Islamophobic rhetoric from within our government, and well, I don't think I need to list all the ways and all the reasons we need peace to transform our lives and our world. But Advent is this time to, to cultivate a spirituality of hoping and waiting for peace, both in our lives and in our world. And, and that's, that can, peace, that peace can seem so big and overwhelming and far away that, that almost, it can feel almost comforting to just throw our hands in the air and, and think of it as, as something that's so hard that only God can do it. I mean, we're weary and we want to believe it's something that will happen to us, something that, that God ushers in in this big, dramatic way as, as we watch and cheer from the sidelines. But that's not the path of peace in this Advent prophecy. Zechariah is describing a literal path. He, he uses the Greek word for a road, and it's just like the common word for road. It's, it's what you walk down. 
It's what takes us from one place to another. And, and we make that road by walking. The, the path to peace is an active journey that it requires work and trust and, and radical hope. And, and while it's not easy, it's, it's a path that we can walk because of the promise that dawn will break open, lighting our way, saving and forgiving us. Not with a magical blink of the eye, but step by step, over time, as we're ready for it. Never forcing, always loving, always seeking healing and wholeness for the world. And that kind of long path, it might be a little bit less enticing or less exciting than instant deliverance. But for me, at least, I find that kind of encouraging. Because it's a path, well, one that we don't have to walk down alone. It's a path where we can lean on one another for support. It's a path that has twists and turns and really difficult sections and may even head in the wrong direction for a while, but, but it keeps going. And I think we even see this in the life of John the Baptist and the friendship between John and Jesus. I mentioned that, that John asks Jesus, are you the one to come or should we look for another? And, and John asks Jesus that, if he's the Messiah, after he's baptized Jesus, after he's heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. The, the purpose of John's life was to prepare the way for Christ. If anyone knew what the Messiah looked like, it was John. So that, that question does not feel that innocent. It feels like he's, John's lost his way, like he's saying, hey, I know what the Messiah looks like, and it ain't you, so should I keep looking? But in response to this loaded question by the one person whose job it was to identify him, Jesus responds with tender affection. He, he tells his disciples to remind John what he's seen, how the sick have been healed, how the poor have had good news proclaimed to them. And then he tells the crowd one other thing. He says, I assure you that no one who has ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. That response of love, that public response of love and forgiveness, it, it feels like Jesus invites John to keep traveling down that path, which is the same invitation we are offered this Advent season, to travel down the path of peace, step by step, as we're ready for it. Because it's, it's a path that's always loving, always seeking healing and wholeness for us and for the world. Amen.